Welcome back to the regular edition of the Kickstocks Football Weekly Podcast. Victor and I are back in the usual studio to catch up on the latest events from the Champions League and Europa League. We're coming at you from a sweaty studio in Amsterdam. We're sitting here, shirts off, primed <laughs> and ready to go. Coming up for you in this week's episode, we'll be focusing on all the talking points from the latest round of fixtures, as well as discussing our ultimate Champions League exercise from the teams remaining in the competition. So kick back, relax and enjoy the ride as we bring you this week's European Football Special. Vamanos. <laughs> <laughs> So, Victor, welcome back. You're Thanks. back in Amsterdam now, following your sunny trip from southern France. How was it? It was uh, amazing. Of course, I missed uh, I missed doing the podcast with you, so that, that's why it's extra special that we have our first PG-13 <laughs> semi-nude podcast, <laughs> uh, sweating in this in the studio. I bet so. you were raring to go for this week's episode. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, question: Was it is it hotter than it was in southern France right now? Because I'm feeling like I'm in a sauna, man. This is this is insane. This was definitely hotter than it was in the south of France. Definitely more humid. So, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, you think you come back from vacation, cool, nice, nice and cool Holland. But so here we are. Further from the truth. Here we are. Two sweaty dudes. Sitting down, drinking beers, talking about football. What could get better than exactly. this? Exactly, <laughs> that's it. That's life, man. <laughs> All right, as usual on the Football Weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some news briefs. So some of the things happening from around the football scene. First of all, two members of Atletico Madrid's squad have been tested positive for Corona uh, shortly before actually departing to Lisbon for the competition. They've been confirmed as Angel Correa and uh, Sime Vesalico. Both players are asymptomatic and will remain isolated at home. <laughs> uh, this has raised concerns at the club that there could be more coronavirus cases in the squad that is preparing for Champions League quarterfinal this week. Uh, but the club have said that all other players have tested negative. So they've been given the all clear from UEFA to continue competing in the comp despite recent cases. Victor, whilst you're struggling there to take off your shirt <laughs> in the most discreet way possible. Yeah. Um, I can multitask. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, crazy, crazy happenings uh, with these two positive cases. Uh, what do you reckon that means? Atletico players have been breaking quarantine rules? Sheer bad luck? I mean, it doesn't reflect well on the players, does it? No, and uh, but I think I think it's there's so there must be more players who have it, like in uh, in the other teams as well. I don't I don't think that the players are so isolated that they that they don't come in touch with with uh, any corona cases yeah yeah um it, it is a bit it is a bit disconcerting honestly because the rules have very strict measures in place if anything a football club right now will probably be the safest place to be in corona times because these guys have such stringent testing measures they're tested every week uh, they're told to self-isolate uh, hygiene is kept to an absolute premium standard so um, it does seem odd that these occasional cases pop up um, you never know what their family members are doing who they're coming into contact with exactly and they, you know they're still traveling they're still going to training every day yeah. you know they're still in touch with people who they uh, you know who are not in their close circles so yeah yeah so um, but so let's hope that they uh, that they're safe and that they're getting better and that, uh, that they're not a lot of uh, other cases yeah I mean luck- luckily it's not um, been enough of a concern for UEFA to call pulling the match um, but it does raise the concern of well 
if if players are to be confirmed positive in the semis, let's say, or before a final, you know, what could that mean potentially for the competition's future? Yeah. Would they have to call off the final? Would they just tell those players to go home and take the risk and allow the other players to take the pitch? All I'm saying is I'm, I'm happy I'm not a decision maker in UEFA right now. No. And eventually, it was, it's always about money. So uh, it's always about it's money. It's gonna have to get really serious before they cancel the tournament. I think. Yeah. Uh, in other news, on Saturday, Juventus broke the internet in Italy, at least, uh, when they announced the sacking of Maurizio Sarri as head coach, and he's been replaced with club legend Andrea Pirlo. Andrea Pirlo. Sorry, I butchered that name. <laughs> what was that, James? <laughs> Andrea Pirlo. Uh, I, I thought I'd throw like a. <laughs> <laughs> An exotic twist on the name. <laughs> to an uh, Italian name. Yeah. Yes, by making it Irish or English or whatever. <laughs> Andrea Pirlo, a what? man a man without an ounce of coaching experience on his resume. Um Vic, what do you think of the appointment? Good appointment? A bit rogue, isn't it? It's super rogue. And you know, I always Andrea Pirlo is such a legend. Um and he was such a cool player as well. So I'm always scared for these kind of players that if they if they don't do well, you know the coaching world's a totally different world than the than the player world. Yeah. So if they don't if they don't do well, you know they could be sacked or they could you know lose their the once so stellar reputation which 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 they had or which they earned as a player. The same you know the same goes for um, oh yeah exactly. the other players which <laughs> I see <laughs> which, in your notes. <laughs> so. No, but it, it, you know what it's uh, it's strange because. Players, ex-players coming back uh, to coach their old club seems to be in vogue right now. Um, you know, you've got a lot of big examples from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Frank Lampard, Mikel Arteta, Gattuso briefly at AC. I mean, Zidane at uh, Real Madrid, Simone Inzaghi at Lazio. There's a big old list. Um, it makes sense, I guess, right? I mean, if if you're if you're a legend coming back to a club, you maybe get more time and patience from the fans. Uh, and and Juve just needed to really you know try something different, reinvigorate the club a little bit. I feel like the last couple of managerial appointments have been uh, less than exciting, should we say? I don't know. I mean, Sarri came in, you know, with the whole expectation of 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 gonna going to play Sarri ball, you know, really attacking football, attractive football, and this it wasn't really the case this year. So I think it's I think it's a rash decision because he was only there for one season. I would have liked him to see what he could uh, do in the second season, but apparently he wasn't. He wasn't well liked by the players, and you know there were some irritations there. So also between Ronaldo and Sarri, um, but you know the players you mentioned who came back, all of them they had some sort of experience, whether it be being an assistant coach or or training uh, or you know having a full full job or training uh, the under 23s or or youth team. Pirlo has zero experience. Yeah, I mean, that's he was, earlier this week he was appointed to be Juventus under twenty three. Exactly, coach I think he as was his in, first manager. He was, in, he was in the job for a grand total of about ten days or something. Yeah, until he got promoted. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, it's, it's it's really risky, and I think it's kind of a obviously the, these guys, the Agnellis, they, they you know they they probably have some sort of feeling what they're doing. Yeah, and he knows the club, he knows the DNA of the club. Uh, it's it's a risk, and I would have preferred you know to see someone more experienced maybe with Pirlo uh, by his mm. side and, 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 and you know going to take over in a couple of years after he got the, some more uh, top flight experience yeah I mean there was a lot of talk and you could visibly see it sometimes during games on camera uh, of the players not really having such a warm relationship with Sari and maybe not respecting him the way they should you know talks no. of when Sari would give him tactical advice they'd roll their eyes or when he's getting frustrated on the side numerous times we saw Chiellini having to come up to him and tell him you know relax calm yeah. down um, so maybe maybe the people at the hierarchy at Juventus thought what these players don't necessarily need they don't need someone who's going to come in and 
coach them per se because they're they're well enough coached players they're superstars they play at the highest level they know how to play football maybe they just need someone to come in who understands the club and who's just going to gain respect from the players almost somewhat of what Zidane did in Real Madrid you know he had this superstar team he came in he didn't need to change anything or revolutionize anything necessarily tactically he just needed to get the players back on side playing their best football yeah um, maybe that's the that's the approach I let's hope because i love pirlo and i hope he does well he's he's, he's probably the classiest footballer out yeah, there yeah yeah so uh everything about him just he's scream cool style guy. that being said you know he's um, yeah funnily yeah. enough chapter nine in his autobiography i don't know if you've seen this uh he's written the words i wouldn't bet a single cent on me becoming a manager though it's not a job i'm attracted to there's too many worries well <laughs> change that, of tack now that huh? went out of the window <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's see what he can do. Finally, in the news this week, uh, apparently a record number of footballers, clubs and agents in England are being investigated by Her Majesty's Royal Tax Authority over tax payments. Uh, HMRC is investigating the tax affairs of 330 footballers, 55 clubs and 80 agents up from 173 players, 40 clubs and 38 agents in January 2019. Uh, apparently, it said it's recovered £396 million from the industry since 2015, money which is usually relating to image rights, agents' fees and dual representation. Now, I, I'm a bit I'm a bit torn about this because um, I sometimes... Obviously, look, players get a lot of flack uh, when they get caught uh, avoiding tax. Um, you know, a lot of people don't feel sympathy for them because they're mega rich, so they should pay their tax, right? But I do actually feel that sometimes, you know, players don't really understand the full scale of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, players sometimes, they're there and just focused on playing football. What happens with their money, they put in the hands and the care and responsibility of other people who they think no. are meant to know what they're doing. <laughs> Everyone's got a tax man. Everyone's got a finance office. Um, and, like, and an agent. And an agent, exactly. I feel like a lot of players just don't really know what's going on with their money. So uh, these players getting implicated in this. Sometimes I feel like, you know, um, it's not necessarily fault of their own. It's maybe them just not paying attention to the detail. Yeah, but that's also their own fault. Like, yeah. obviously, it's, it's there's probably some shady, shady factors involved in that in that food chain of uh, footballer making his wages, and then what happens with those wages? But eventually, it's the footballer's wages, right? So the ultimate responsibility is his. Yeah. Because uh, and he, if he gives that, or if he chooses to give that responsibility away to his agents, to his tax advisors, then it's still the end responsibility is still his. Mm. He should be more informed. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, there obviously seems to be an endemic problem with it um, because when you're talking about you know, potentially 330 footballers, 55 clubs and 80 agents being implicated in this, um, that's, that to me signals that uh, this problem stems quite deep uh, in the industry. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, what, it, what, goes behind, what goes down behind the scenes is just such a black box. Yeah. Like the, 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 the change of hands of money or the, yeah, the money that changes hands with a transfer or with salary negotiations, we have no clue what happens in those negotiations. No. So, and where, who gets what, uh, who pays what. So I think it's just a black box and yeah, yeah. we'll see what comes from it. Yeah. Cool. That's the news this week. Now, I guess, um, well, we can do a little cheeky review of the Champions League fixtures that have happened yes. in the last couple of days. Let's do it. Let's do it. Victor Schwab, Champions League review. The floor is yours, Maestro. 
Yeah, so let's say uh, where do we start? Where Our we resident start? Champions League expert. We'll start with um yeah, actually I think the biggest surprise, which was Olympic Lyon um shocking the world by eliminating Juventus. Were you fully shocked? Well, I mean I think Juventus is still a, a European superpower and Lyon is not, and especially be seeing as they hadn't played um a big match for so long. You know, maybe it worked in their favor. Maybe they were more rested mm. and Juventus was tired because they had a, the end of the season. They had nine matches or ten matches in one month, uh, in the month of July, I think. But, uh, I mean, you know, it was nice to see Memphis Depay back after his horror injuries, you know, tearing his ACL, working really hard to get back in shape for the Euros, for Holland. And that's, that's, that's sorry, that's probably another thing that worked in their favor, Lyon, as well. The fact yeah. that uh, after all this time out, they actually managed to get Depay back into the fixture. Yeah, exactly. So, um uh, but nice see, you know, he scored a cheeky Panenka. Uh, it was strange because I don't know how you felt about it, but it looked like a solid tackle from Bentancur. It didn't look like a penalty to me. Yeah, a dubious one. Dubious so, uh, one. strange decision by the VAR there. Uh, interesting to see afterwards, shortly afterwards, Bernardeschi, for, um, he had a fantastic dribble uh, at the back line, coming into the side, faking out the keeper and the defenders. Uh, but he did not manage to finish due to a heroic defensive effort from Marcelo which is a really amazing, amazing save. Uh, Anthony Lopez, the, the the keeper of Lyon, who's always been, you know, for the past couple of years, been a, a reliable keeper uh, in Liga, in the, in European football for uh, for Lyon. Uh, he was proving himself to be valuable with many saves. Uh, I think the, the handball from Depay, uh, which gave uh, Juventus and Ronaldo the penalty, was also a dubious call, because where else could he put those hands? Yeah. Maybe it was to even the score with the, with the first penalty. Strange. Nonetheless, it is odd. But Ronaldo did what he needed to do, scoring the penalty. And afterwards, a fantastic shot with his left. He could have even scored a hat trick with a header, which would have been the perfect, the perfect hat trick. Um, but uh, yeah, it, his header went over the bar. So uh, yeah, I mean, congrats to Lyon. I think it's you know an in- interesting stat is that the last seven Champions League knockout goals for Juventus were all from Cristiano Ronaldo. So, really? Yeah, he has. You yeah. know, does he have help at Juventus? I mean, does he is he? Are they are they relying too much on him to perform? I guess in, in, any uh, any team with Ronaldo in it, they're always going to rely on him. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, uh, I think he's got a total now of thirty six goals for the season, uh, breaking Juventus's ninety five year record for most amount of goals from any Juventus player Crazy. in a single season. Uh, well, obviously the MVP was Cristiano Ronaldo. He went up twenty three percent, point twenty three point four percent. The LVP there. was Bruno. Guimarães from Lyon midfielder he only yeah he's supposed to be a key midfielder he only had 49 touches he lost possession 12 times causing a 13 uh, percent decrease the next game who are they going to play is um, Manchester City dun, dun, because dun. they managed to beat Real once again with 2-1 in the, in the Etihad Stadium so um, and it was a Rafa Varane shocker oh, oh what a An terrible game he absolute had absolute shocker An absolute nightmare he was also the LVP he went down minus 15.5% Oof. you know two goals you know it, I mean it was obviously that he's missing his defensive partner Ramos who mm. uh, uh, quite foolishly got suspended in the first match mm. um, so he couldn't play and he was you know Varane Clearly had an effect on him because his two goals he was an absolute but, nightmare. But it was it was it wasn't just Varane it was Militao as well in uh, yeah. in both centre backs just really struggled. But what I thought was weird is that the first ten minutes of that game was all Real Madrid playing around their box. It was literally possession based football in Real Madrid's third. Um, even Courtois I thought was a bit dodgy and shaky. Yeah. Some of the passes he was giving out. I mean, arguably the pass to Varane in the first place when Varane lost the ball 
was a horrific pass because yeah, I mean sure. what options does Varane have in that position fair enough Varane shouldn't have lost the ball the way he did I just thought it was really weird tactics from Real Madrid they look sloppy they look slow lethargic just pedestrian all over the pitch very strange performance yeah know. so we, we, we discussed you know Real uh, being so solid over the season winning them the La Liga title I, you know I, f- I really feel Real needs some you know some new influx of of energy and players maybe he needs to get rid of these yeah these old timers who've served Zidane well served mm-hmm. Real well but they need they need some new energy I feel yeah. and, uh, I, I, I actually thought this, this season would be that season where Real Madrid would kick on to the new generation of players you know but you know they've still relied pretty heavily on on, on the old guard this year yep. fair enough it's won them the La Liga title but uh, next year, I think you're right. They need to really inject some new, a new lease of life into that squad and really kick on and start building a new team for the future. Yeah. And I think that you know the, the the man of the match for me was, um, or on Kickstarter as well, was Gabriel Jesus. Uh, went up 21.9 percent. He had a goal and an assist. He won 10 out of se- out of his 17 duels. And, you know, it was it was such a hard worker. And I I, I know from a Man City perspective that. Most people prefer Aguero because he's such a legend at the club. But Gabriel Jesus is definitely no no slacker, and he's definitely a, a, a top striker to have um, and a Pep type striker. Exactly. So uh, very happy with him. The next game, uh, Barca Napoli. Uh, interesting game. Mm. I think, interesting first half. Yeah, I think Barca were always the favorites. Um, just because they're Barca, I guess, and, and Napoli Messi. didn't have such a strong season, mm. and they have Messi. And anyone with Messi in their team, but actually, yeah, is always always one like of the favorites. Yeah. But uh, Langley, you know, he scored the first goal with a solid header from the corner from Rakitic. Um, but what a goal from Messi for the two 0 I mean, this is a typical Messi goal. I mean, yeah. you see during the dribble, vintage. during the dribble, you as a viewer, you think that he's that he has lost the ball three times, but somehow he manages to to keep the ball to worm his way through and produce a cracking goal. It's classic Messi. Mm. Top uh, goal. Yeah, top goal. Top goal. Again, a strange thing with the with the VAR. I mean, the second goal of Messi got cancelled due to hands ball. Probably was the case, but I didn't really see it, or it wasn't really that clear to me. But uh, but afterwards, Messi managed to uh, you know have a serious effect on the third goal as well because he managed to uh, create a penalty or generate a penalty after outsmarting Koulibaly. Uh, who was a bit slow on the touch, and Messi managed to to glide in there. He saw his he, he saw his chance. And Suarez finished the job um, on the spot. Uh, the clumsy foul from Rakitic gave Insigne a chance to score a second uh, Champions League goal from uh, from the penalty spot, yeah. and he didn't disappoint. But uh, you know, eventually uh, Barcelona comfortably to the to the quarter quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, the MVP was actually Suarez. Luis. Yeah, it wasn't a great game for the Barca players because of their expectations. Suarez went up, um, and you know provided valuable with uh, with his play. And you know the the centre backs of Napoli, they were they were the LVPs. Koulibaly would, you know, it was just a poor a poor mistake. For An un- unusually poor game from Koulibaly, yeah, causing the penalty. And Manolas, he went down, he went down ten percent, almost eleven percent. Uh, yeah, not the great effort. But then we have. The next game, the next and final game, and Barca will play Bayern in the quarterfinals, who we both agree are one of the favorites to win it because they Hot are favorites. so extremely solid. Um, beating Chelsea 4-1, an aggregate uh, 7-1. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hansi Flick, he took the risk of starting Kimmich and Thiago, who, if they would get a yellow card, would be suspended for the quarterfinal match against Barcelona, even though they already had a comfortable 3-0 lead from the first match. 
which was I thought was surprising, but uh, I mean, but, good on um, him. Yeah, he props takes to him. Risk. Exactly. Uh, but it was you know it was over quickly for Chelsea. Caballero, thirty-eight years old, might be on the on the cusp of, of getting yeah. too old. Interesting that he's been favoured over Kepo still. Yeah. Uh, was uh, you know he had a reckless foul causing the penalty. Lewandowski does what he does what he does best, scoring goals. So he scored the penalty. Afterwards, he gives the assist to to Perisic for the two 0 Tammy Abram he does something back, but it's not enough because afterwards Lewandowski gives another perfect cross and assist for to Corentin Tolisso, making it three one. And then who else but Robert Lewandowski? Big uh, seals Chelsea's fate with a crushing header. He's unstoppable. Scoring his 13th uh, Champions League goal uh, this season and 66th Champions League goal over his entire career. Wow. Uh, I think that you know this game was clear. It's the difference between boys and men. Uh, Bayern is just seasoned, experienced, play attractive football. Definitely one of the favorites to win it for me. Man of the match. Actually, you had two man of the matches for uh, Lewandowski. Of course, two goals and two assists. Um, you can't go around that. Uh, but also, even Perisic, he went up 16% scoring a goal after uh, not having scored for quite a while. Mm. The LVP, Willy Caballero, went down 23%. Just had a poor game. Uh, definitely not the top keeper that Chelsea wants, so I think they're gonna they're gonna hit the transfer market for uh, for a replacement. Also, Kurt Zuma went down sixteen percent. Poor game, poor game. But mm. Bayern and Lewandowski, yeah. wow. I, I I sympathize with Chelsea because they were never really expected to win this title. No, 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 still no, a team sure. transition. Um, so yeah, Bayern Bayern were always hot favorites for that yeah. tie. So for me, that puts Bayern in pole position to win the tournament. I have to say, City have got the easier draw. They've got Lyon, haven't they? So at this, at this stage, nothing's easier. Huh? You don't know. So I mean, you know, how does um, the one-legged fixture change the dynamic of the Champions League? Because obviously, it'd be be over two legs normally. I actually think this might favour the underdogs um, because over two matches, you know, the general strength of each team would aggregate. So you'd expect the stronger team to have a better chance of winning over two legs in a one-off game, though. <coughs> You know, you never know what can happen. And uh, a team like Lyon could knock out a City in a one-off game. So I actually think it's quite exciting. There's talks, I don't know how you feel about this, uh, there's talks of potentially, if this kind of format is successful, UEFA reviewing how we play the Champions League and saving the Champions League for the end of the season, every season, and just host it as a three to four week tournament, like a mini World Cup at the end of every season. Really? Yeah, where okay. where the teams... So you play the regular season, which means you'd cut down on fixtures during the season. Uh, so it would decongest the fixture list a little bit. And then come Champions League time, the regular domestic seasons are done. And then you, you pick a spot, you pick a destination. So like a Cologne or a Lisbon as it's happening now. And then for three to four weeks, that's Champions League slash Europa League time. And you host it like a mini World Cup in a city, a select city every, every season. Interesting. What do you Interesting. make of that? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen because I think there's too mm. much money involved as well. And I could also, see, I could also see the traditionalists just being like, "No, that's not how we do it. It's uh, never how we've done it. Screw that. You know, football's always been Champions League during the season." Is that how traditionalists sound? In the UK, that's it. Yeah, in the UK, they do. <laughs> but, but I mean, uh, no. But there's been plenty of changes. You know, they started with, you know, if it was a draw, that there would be a coin toss, then they, you know, penalties or a se- or a third game. Yeah. So there's always change. I think this is a bit too radical, and. The fans always will need to be able to see the ma- see the matches. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, eventually people play football for the fans. Yeah, it takes away those European nights during the season yeah. as well, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. where you want that midweek Tuesday Wednesday respite? For can, sure, for sure. You can go somewhere abroad. Yeah, you know, sack off work for a day or two. Exactly, play hooky. Exactly. Right, that's Champions League rounded up. Let's move on to Europa League. 
First game, Inter 2, Bayer Leverkusen 1, uh, Inter knockout Bayer Leverkusen. Nicolo Barella fired home uh, an excellent 20-yard strike to give Inter the lead. Lukaku then controlled Ashley Young's pass. That's a sentence I never thought I would hear, especially during the United days. <laughs> Turned the defender and slotted his 31st goal of the season to make that nine consecutive Europa League games with a goal. Um, that actually makes him the first player ever to do so in the history of the competition. Bear in mind that his first four games of that run were in an Everton shirt in the 2014-2015 season. But nonetheless, making history, Kai Havertz smashed home from six yards out to give Leverkusen hope, but they couldn't find a leveller and uh, to force extra time. And uh, they ended up being the losers in this one-off tie. So, solid win from Inter. They go marching on. So, they will either play Shakhtar or Basel. Um, pretty, pretty nice draw for them as well I think uh, Inter for sure got to be one of the favourites for the tournament let's be honest we want to see an Inter United final don't we I think everyone does I think that's the Champions League there'll be drama worthy final yeah there'll be drama it'll be high octane it's also the story writes itself you know you've got three ex-United players in the Inter squad seeking revenge seeking revenge but they will be they will be won't they because you know the thing is they got shipped out of that United squad under the premise that United want to make way for younger more exciting talent so they'll be coming back with, with a point to prove um, so Inter looking good I think yeah um, yeah I, I mean I think I think Inter are more the favourites than United I think Inter is just more you strong reckon? team yeah, yeah? definitely yeah. yeah I think obviously okay. United is informed but I think Inter have a stronger team but you know I would love to see Wolves win it I just have this deep sympathy for Wolves. I'm always for the underdog. I, I remember in 2010 when uh, Atletico played Fulham in the in the Europa League mm -hmm, final. Mm -hmm. It's the nice thing about the Europa League is that you can have these teams who who win something, who yeah. win a big European prize. And yeah. as much as I, you know, stature wise, as I'd love to see Inter play United, I would also love to see a really unexpected final uh, with an unexpected winner because uh, you know that's the the underdog story. It would be nice. I've got this weird thing though because um, I mean, obviously not biased at all, but Manchester United, if if they, well, they've actually now gotten through uh, their stage, so they'll play. Obviously, the winners of tonight's fixture we're recording on a Tuesday, so we don't know if Wolves have beaten Sevilla yet. But if Wolves do beat Sevilla, United uh, Wolves are a bit of a bogey team for United. I think I read somewhere in the last nine games, uh, United have won one, lost two of those, and drawn six. Um, so Wolves are a real bogey team for for United. A Premier League fixture. And I'm I'm just get, I'm just getting sick of them playing each other. Honestly, I'm getting sick of playing Wolves at this point. Um, because they always do a job on us. So, <laughs> so as much as I would love to see him progress. But then again, you know, um, Sevilla, Europa League experts. It's their tournament, really. It's definitely their tournament, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, United don't have the incentive of, of winning it for the Champions League anymore. Inter, Inter don't but, either. No, but um, no doubt Oli will want to add some trophies to the cabinet. Um, that moves us on though United beating FC Copenhagen 1-0 on Monday night Manchester United need an extra time penalty from Bruno Fernandes to finally see off a spirited FC Copenhagen who actually played really well that game very compact very organised um, and they've set up a potential Europa League semi-final against Wolves 
United were poor for much of the first half uh, in the heat of Cologne, but they still had penalty overturned and a goal ruled out by the video assistant referee. Man of the match for me, Carl Johan Jonsson, the goalkeeper. Uh, he was in particularly good form on the night. He made 13 saves as United had 26 attempts on goal, only conceding a penalty in the match. Uh, overall, pretty uninspiring game, but enough to see United reach the semi-finals. Right, anyway, that's the Europa League roundup. Short but sweet. Uh, it's only the Farmers' Cup, after all, so we're not going to dwell too much on it. Um, Can you elaborate on that? What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> so it's the Farmers' Cup because traditionally you've got the big TV shows in the UK. You've got uh, EastEnders. Uh, you've got... Um, what's the other one? Geordie Shore. No, not bloody Geordie Shore. Now you've got EastEnders and you've got... Um, but you've got also Emmerdale. Emmerdale Farm. And Emmerdale Farm is, you know, classic countryside drama. And it's always on a, it's always on a Thursday. It's on a Thursday night, it is. So, Farmer's Cup, Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> fun fact. By fun, the ultimate Brit, James fun, fun fact of the day. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I don't watch that crap. So, uh, that's why I don't know the names of them anyway. But you watch the Farmer's Cup, though. Yeah, I watch the Farmer's Cup. <laughs> <laughs> More drama than EastEnders. Exactly. Okay, so... Having said that, now that we've covered Europa League, um, we decided this week, Victor and I, we wanted to come up with a Champions League starting eleven each. Um, now, all the players, we have to. There's eight teams left in the competition. We have to at least have one player from every team, and it's uh, well, yeah, it's obviously the best team that you think would go on to win the tournament, right? Yeah. And also the ones you know that we think are going to perform exactly in, in the tournament. So, exactly. uh, so definitely for your Kickstox portfolio, wants to wants to watch out. For how, how do you want? How do you want to do this, Vic? Do you want to do we we each go position by position, or we just do our lineups each? Well, let's go position by position. Position by position. Okay. Yeah. What's your formation first of all? My formation is a is an attacking three four three. Three four three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, so you're stacking that midfield then for sure. That's not a bad shot actually. I've got I've got a classic uh, four three three. Um, so goalkeeper I think that's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer because it's yeah. my, one of my favorite players out there it's probably yours as well yeah it's got to be Jan Oblak isn't it Obli Oblak Oblaktopus Oblaktopus I heard that one though. really yeah. Oblaktopus yeah. that's a, a new one for me Oblaktopus uh, nah, definitely the best keeper out there I think he's going to he's going to produce some good saves against Leipzig yeah by country mile if you had to choose a, a keeper it, it's got to be Oblak yeah I think that's that one's a pretty easy one left back what are we saying? Well, I have three defenders, right? So um, mm, okay, so you've gone for three centre backs, then I guess. Well, not really, not yeah, really. But okay. uh, should I go first? Yeah. Go so actually, have the wing backs for me are the Atalanta wing backs, uh, both of them, both ha- of them, Hatzebur and Hans Hatzebur and Roman Gosens. Okay. I think Atalanta have had a magnificent season, yeah. as we discussed in the yeah. pod, scoring a, a record amount of goals. You know, that's also due to the fact uh, that these two wing backs are so are just, just a full force on the sides of the Workhorses, eh? Workhorses and just, you know, going up and down endlessly, giving crosses, being, you know, contributing to attacking play. So, uh, Roman Gosens on the left, Hans were on the right. Give me some assists, Atalanta boys. Love that. Well, so why don't you take us through your whole back line first, actually, and then I'll well, do Well, the there's one line. more, and that's going to be the, the, the beast in defense. Well, I also think is a wait, massive wait, talent. hang on, hang on. There's one more. Wait, so as in, how, how are you playing your three? You playing them wide or compact? Well, then <laughs> so you've got you've got a left wing back and a right wing back yeah, and playing, one centre back playing in a three, and, and then you've got you got one guy sitting by you himself. Gotta, you gotta let me finish because because that, 
Because the midfield also is playing the part in their defensive. In their defensive it's, it's not what I expected at all. I thought you meant like like wing backs, as in you get the three centre backs and then the wing backs. No, no, no. Okay, all right. No, okay. these guys are going to run a lot. Are you playing? <laughs> they're you're playing expansive they, football. They all have right. horses of like they have lungs for horses. Okay, horse lungs. Lungs for. <laughs> Well, have they got horses for lungs? Horses for lungs. They have horse lungs for their own lungs. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. okay. So two pretty compact, compact wing. Yeah, backs. but you got It will make more sense once you hear my midfield. Okay, go on. Uh, no, give me a centre back. Your last. My centre back, who I think is a really big talent as well, is Dayo Upamecano from Leipzig. Okay, okay. Who I think could be a good addition, and he could. He's so good that he can. He can work. He can with play the left, left sided, right sided centre back. Yeah, left exactly. Back, right back. Okay, he's gonna play. And that's it all. why. Uh, and I think with Oblak, you don't. You barely even need defenders yeah, that's true good. that's true right I've gone uh, yeah I've gone four at the back I'll go left back Alfonso Davies I mean from Bayern Munich this guy is just an absolute animal um, absolutely love him he's been insane this season such a revelation the fact that he's from Canada uh, unbelievable uh, it's been about time that we saw a Canadian sensation in uh, in uh, the top five leagues in football <laughs> but he's just going forward uh, the pace on him is frightening uh, I think he's just been such a such a solid solid player for Bayern so I'd have him in my squad every day fair enough two centre-backs I've gone Dayo Upamacano as well and I've also gone Jose Jimenez from uh, from Atletico Madrid <laughs> I think he's uh, I think he's been a, Jose Jimenez has been a solid player he's been linked with a lot of big big clubs as well this this coming summer I think those two as a pairing would be would be really solid in the air they would win everything uh, they've got legs on them as well I think Jimenez and Upamacano as well have very good defensive nous so they've got good tactical brains on their shoulders so I think they'd keep the back line organised and then as a right back, I needed to get a Lyon player in there. So I've gone for a throwback and I've got Raphael. Raphael. If it's the Raphael from the United days, he'd be absolute stellar, stellar addition to this squad. But he's not. He's the leader <laughs> for years now. So. He's probably the weakest link to this team. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, the rules dictated that we needed a player at least from every squad. Yeah. And I just think right backs at the moment, really good right backs are sort of hard to come by at the moment. Hartenboer. Hans Hartenboer. Yeah, but you're not even playing him as a right back. You're playing him he as a bloody right sided centre wing back, he's, he's, left midfield. Yeah. <laughs> he's everything. But so, you know, just to be clear, you'd put these guys in your portfolio, maybe Raphael not, but uh, he can yeah, surprise for you. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I think he's got room to go. Should we move on to the midfield? Go on then. Um... So now my defense will make more sense because I'm playing, I'm playing with two. So I'm not. I'm playing not in a diamond, the midfield. This makes for, sense already. Four midfields, this but I'm playing with two uh, controlling, holding midfielders. Okay. And uh, two wider players, but no more attacking players. Okay. So leaving space on the sides for the for the for the for the wing backs, but my two holding midfielders are um, Thomas Partey and Sergio Busquets. Okay. Thomas Partey from Atletico, Ghana yeah. International, who, I don't know, I'm just, I think he's a, I'm an intriguing player, and I've always thought about thought that way, I think he's very useful, mm. he's always good with interceptions, and uh, as, a, as a CDM, he's, he's and he's got, he is a workhorse, he's got stamina on him, good legs, he's going to need it in that formation, exactly, and he's going to need it, no, he's he, going to be playing centre-back, CDM, he's, he's there to help out the defence, but also Sergio Busquets, who I think is one of the most underrated players for years now, mm. um, He's not a not a flashy player, but you know he barely does anything wrong um, mm. in the squad. I think it's actually it's it's doubtful uh, if he's gonna play, but uh, you know if he does, definitely put him in your portfolio because of it. the amount of touches he has. The almost doesn't lose pos- lose possession. Mm. 
Uh, and it's just very important in that passing game, passing Barcelona game. So they're the holding midfields. They're going to help out good old Daya Upamecano in their defense. Furthermore, on the midfield, I have uh, Osam Awar from Lyon. Nice. One of Euro's biggest talents. Yeah, I was considering getting him in as well. Mark my words. But spoiler alert. Not really my words, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely one of Europe's biggest talents. Uh, linked to, to big clubs, so he might Awar. make a move this summer. Uh, what you say? <laughs> Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then well, of course, that one in there. probably I think the best midfielder at the moment in world football, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, it's got to be in there. It's City man. Uh, can do anything. He's Mister Wonderful. I love him. Okay. Uh, I can I can dig that. Um, I've gone also three in the mid. Obviously, I've gone for one CDM and two centre mids in front of him. So CDM, you might like this one. I've gone Martin De Roon from ah. uh, Atalanta. I actually think he's uh, a real solid player. I, I just I like the look of him. I think he makes things tick in midfield for him. Uh, again, he's got good uh, commitment, always running about and doing the dirty work. But also, I think he's quite a silky player on the ball. And he has a lot of you know he has a lot of if you look at the stats perspective from him, he has a lot of interceptions. Yeah. A lot of uh, passes forward, mm-hmm. you know, not not safe pass back. No, he's, he moves forward. Exactly, exactly. He's so, a positive uh, player. He's not afraid to do to do the dirty work. Um, can get you some serious percentage increase. Exactly. So he's going to be my holding midfielder. Yeah. Um, then in front of him, I've got, of course, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, goes without saying. Doesn't even need to explain that. And Thiago Alcantara. Uh, I think he's lovely a player. Lovely player. Silky. I've always liked the looks of him. Um, and he could potentially go in summer they're talking for 30 million as low as 30 million euros this summer so anyone in the market for a silky midfielder who can control the game see that pass that not many players can see um, could be a really good signing but he's linked to Liverpool as well huh? yeah let's not talk about that okay Um, (laughs) and I'm almost sure that the attacking trio is exactly the same for us well let's see we wanted to or at least I wanted to be original but eventually these these all three players nah. have so much class that you just can't yeah. you can't not choose them. Yeah. It's just impossible. Even though you want to, you know, think of a, a nice talent or someone who might surprise you, and there are players who mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think in the quarterfinals, the highest stage of the biggest tournament, you in go the for world, the creme de la creme. You, you go for to, the best of the best because that's where they shine. Yeah, that's where they're going to get stage, you. Isn't it? Percentage increases. In yeah, that's fully, true. That's where they're going to win you battles on kickstocks. That's true. So you know, I'm just going to say it. All of these guys, they don't need any explanation. But for me, it's Messi, Mbappe, Lewandowski. Lewandowski, of course, in the center. Nailed it. Yep, that's for me as well. Messi on the left or on the right? I'm going to put him on the right. Yeah, okay. I've got Mbappe right for Messi left. I don't know. Okay. But Messi is usually traditionally on the right. Inside. But then I don't see Mbappe coming from the left. I don't know. Uh, you could. They could even rotate, you know? They could even rotate. They could be a fluid. But these guys are going to score goals in the quarterfinals. I guarantee yeah. you that. So, solid yeah. pick. Um, another question. Who would be your captain? Oh, great question. I just wanted to give before. I just want to give a, a special shout out maybe to Duvan Zapata from Atalanta. Oh, for sure. I was considering, like you said, you know, you want to put in a talent, somebody that's lesser known. I think he's he's an absolute. Um, yeah, he's 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 stellar up front. Uh, and he's cheap, huh? He's only six thousand. There you go. Six thousand five hundred. There you go. So, so he would be he would be a solid solid acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, get him in your kickstocks portfolio. Atalanta, you, you know, they score goals. So yeah, and he scores them for. Who would I make my captain? Ah, it's a real tough one. I, I like someone with experience as a captain. So I would do, looking at my squad, I'd go either Messi, Lewandowski, or Jan Oblak, one of those three. I'd probably go, I'm not I'm not a big fan of having goalkeepers as captains because I think the captain needs to be more involved in the play. So uh, I'd, go, uh, I'd go Messi. I'd go Messi as captain. Uh, okay. For you? me, I would go Busquets. 
Okay, nah, that's fair. That's fair enough. All right, good stuff. Uh, I, so I reckon uh, I reckon my team smashes yours. Yeah. So um, I, I think. Uh, well, well, you know, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> buy these guys on Kickstarter, and we'll see who does better. That's true. I don't know if you have enough budget to buy all of them, but uh, it's actually funny because we, you know we're doing a um, we're doing a really cool challenge or battle in Vietnam where. Um, uh, we partnered with K Plus, the broadcaster of the of the Champions League, as well as the Premier League and La Liga and other leagues in Vietnam. Who uh, and the winner of that battle of the two week battle over this Champions League time can win a PlayStation Four, brand nice. new. So um, it's really close. Uh, currently, number one is Huang Hip Nine TVN with a thirty percent increase. But uh, you know anything can happen over the next coming games. Yeah. And I just want to say out or say to my Vietnam friends out there, Chuk my man, va choi chen. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, for the English listeners, it means good luck and game on. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you guys can trade yourself to a brand new PlayStation 4. <laughs> Shall we game on? on. <laughs> game on. Let's do it. All, the, all of, uh, all of the Viet- Vietnamese fans out there, hope you enjoyed that. Right. So... With Victor having absolutely nailed his Vietnamese, <laughs> <laughs> I guess what we've got left to talk about is transfer talk. Yes, let's do it. Then let's do it now. Let's do it now. <laughs> let's do it right now. The saga draws on and on and on and on. What is going on with Jane Sancho? Will it happen? Club Sporting Director Michael Zork says uh, that the England forward Jaden Sancho will remain a Borussia Dortmund player next season. Vic, put me out my misery, man. Tell me. Is it going over the line? Uh, it's, it's, I don't know what's going on. Are Dortmund anymore. just playing hardball as they, they always think, do? I think they might be playing hardball. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about it earlier. Zork, you know, he said that uh, during last season, Sanchez signed a secret deal extending his contract one more year at Dortmund's. Yeah. He's just flexing his muscles, isn't well, he? What is, what is that about? Why why would they make that a secret? What's going on there? So, <laughs> so, much, so much of the transfer process these days is about putting a show on for the cameras as well. You know? yeah. Select messaging for in front of the cameras, select messaging for in private behind closed doors. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, who knows, James? Who knows? I mean, obviously you'd love to see it, but... They said if mm. he comes, uh, you know, there's a deadline. If he if he if he hasn't moved by then, then uh, and he comes to trains camp or on trains camp with Dortmund, mm. then he'll stay. So, and that happened. So uh, who knows? But you never know. You never, you never know. know. You never know. And the thing is, with Corona, you were ex- probably expecting. Um, I mean, the talk was that there wasn't much money going around, so you'd see maybe big players going for smaller fees. But there are just some players that are probably going to be the exception to that rule and some players who, despite the circumstances going on with Corona, are still going to command huge astronomical fees and Jadon Sancho, sadly, just happens to be one of those players. And why United always somehow get wound up trying to buy these players, we'll never know. But no. that's just the way of, what, the way of the world, isn't it? Another one. Uh, oh, you got to give me a, a rating out of uh, 10 for likeliness. Do you still think? It dropped, so I'm going to say 6. 6? Yeah. Oh, okay. Next one. Eric Garcia. To Barca from Manchester City doesn't want to renew his contract. Pep's come out and been pretty open and honest about it. Um, why do you think that is, and um, do you understand it? Um, I understand that he wants to leave. They just signed Ake for forty-five mil, so it's just game time, uh, and he needs to play. So uh, yeah, with Pep, you never know. It's really hard for a player to play all matches under Pep Guardiola, which you know is a strength but also a weakness from the manager. I think um, 
if I was him, I'd leave. But is Barca the right club? Who knows? Maybe go to a, to a club uh, where he's guaranteed playing time. You see that Barca, they also bought uh, Jean-Claire uh, Toribo, mm-hmm. uh, talent from Toulouse. Also never plays. Also, they loan him out to, um, if I'm not mistaken, Schalke. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if, is that is that the best environment for a young player to develop and play a lot of games? I don't know. As as a City fan, what do you know about Eric Garcia? I think he's a he's a big talent. Yeah, definitely. I would I would have liked him uh, to see him play next season alongside Laporte. Uh, once again, I don't really understand the signing of Ake, um, but you know, in the rotation system that Pep plays, then again, you know, it's it's a different story. Uh, but you know, I rate him higher than John Stones. I rate him higher than Nicolas Otamendi. Um, so I'm, you know, I'd be sad to see him go. Out okay. of ten, seven, seven, magic number seven. Uh, William to Arsenal, going to the red side of London. Um, first of all, it, I mean, it looks pretty, pretty dead on to happen. Is it a good deal? And who, who's the biggest winner from this, Chelsea or Arsenal? Uh, definitely Arsenal. I think William is a really good player, and he proved himself. Still proved at, at 31, is that yeah. the kind of player Arsenal should be going for? He, I, I don't know, but if you can get him for free. Then mm. that's then that's or is it for free? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it might be because William Williams come to the end of his contract. Yeah. But but the, usually what happens is players that go for free then get bigger Sign contracts. Yeah. yeah, and they get bigger salaries because obviously. I think Williams are. definitely he can add value to Arsenal. Uh, he's been, he's proved to be one of the the key players at Chelsea this season in, in a good Chelsea side. Uh, he's he stated that he he could go to better clubs, but he wants to stay in London. So uh, then, the, then the move to Arsenal is an obvious one. And I think the real winner here is Arsenal. If they can get him for free. Um, Likelihood. And get a good player. Nine. Looks pretty dead on it. Eh? Yeah. Memphis Depay to Dortmund. Uh, that's That will only happen or that will only be considered if Jaden Sancho leaves. So let's consider the fact that Jaden Sancho is gone. Yeah. Um, were Memphis to come into Dortmund, good move? I don't think, for from his perspective, I don't think it's... Enough of a step up really? to leave to leave Lyon and the reputation he has in Lyon, being the 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 key man, the top top man at Lyon, the captain to be, uh, to go to Dortmund. What would be an adequate step up then? You think? I think he's really hoping for the top top top. But you, uh, you think he, you think he's ready for like a a Barca, Real Madrid? A... No, I don't. I don't think he's um, good enough there for that, and I don't think his ego so fits in those clubs. So what's what's a step up from Dortmund, but isn't a Barca or Real or? A... And don't say United because uh, we've, we've, been, we've been down that track before. <laughs> maybe, maybe enough. Let's go Madrid. Okay, but then again, I you know I, I could you I not think argue Dortmund are the Atletico of the Bundesliga? Yeah, but I think the, the La Liga is a better league than than the Bundesliga mm. as a whole. Do you? Yeah, I do. In terms of the quality of football, in in yeah, in terms of the philosophy, yeah. But, okay, but then again, you I know, it's a bit harsh on the Germany. I think the German, you see some really good football in in the German yeah, I think, league. I think it's physical. You get. A lot of goals, a lot of football on the front foot. Um, I would put Chelsea above Dortmund. Okay, for the pie. Okay, uh, as in, as in that that he would see Chelsea as enough of a step up, but not Dortmund. Okay, okay. I I, I gotta I gotta be honest. I actually really think um, the pie to Dortmund would be a really cool signing. I think it would suit him. I think it'd be a cool sign for sure. Yeah. I just I'm just talking from his perspective okay alright so don't twist my words <laughs> rating out of 10 then <laughs> uh, give me a rating a 3 a 3 yeah oh alright lastly uh, Blaise Madridi Blaise to Inter Miami FC it looks like David Beckham could be in line to make his first 
big name signing with Blaise Matuidi. Blaise. Um, first of all, what do you think of that? I mean, I, I love that. There's been so many rumors of players going to Inter Miami. At one point, someone needs to be the first. Yeah, the first yeah. big. They name. were talking about getting Beckham wanted to make Suarez the big first yeah. name, didn't he? Uh, who else was he trying to get over there recently? There was someone else from, uh, from the UK. I don't know, but yeah, there are, there are, everyone and anyone's almost been related to Inter Miami FC, haven't they? Even Neymar no. said that maybe somewhere down the line he'll go. But Blaise Matuidi looked like he could be the trailblazer, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, what a word. What, what, what a pun. What, what do you reckon? <laughs> Likelihood? I, I actually think he's still too good to move to the MLS. I would love to see him at another club. Yeah, because he's only 33. Still quite young. Matuidi. Matuidi. He is... Uh, 33, yeah. I think he could have a couple more years at uh, anywhere, actually. Mm. So, um, I think, he, you know, he's, a, he's just a solid player, even if it's uh, on the bench or as a as a 12th man. Yeah. Um, so, I'd be sad to see him go. I, I think he's always a charming, charming player. But uh, I would rate it not, uh, 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Yeah. All right, 6 out of 10. Maybe we'll see Matuidi in Miami. But for now, uh, Vic and I, we're going to call it a day, get in a cold shower and try and cool off, maybe drink some cold beers. I don't know, anything to get out of this blistering, hot, sauna-type climate that we're sitting in right now. It's been hot, it's been sweaty, but it's been fun, Vic. It's been good as always. It's It's been been an honor to be here, James Kavanaugh. It's been an absolute honor to be here. So until next time, catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.